0: Welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio. Today I am talking to Professor Matt Hickman, who is a professor of public health and epidemiology. He's also the head of population health sciences and deputy head of Bristol's medical school at the University of Bristol. Matt, welcome to Addiction Audio. Many thanks, it's a pleasure. Uh, so, uh, Matt's on to talk about an article that he was an author on called uh, Modelling the Population Level Impact of Opioid Agonist Treatment on Mortality Among People in Treatment Between 2001 and 2020 in New South Wales, Australia. Um, Matt was an author on this paper but the first author was Anton Chalon and the senior author and modeller was Anique Borghez. So, uh, Matt, I've got lots of questions about the modelling. There's some very complex and very fascinating modelling going on here, but I thought perhaps before we do that, it's worth talking about some of the findings and implications. You focus a lot on the duration of methadone and buprenorphine, as well as the importance of prescribing when leaving prison. Uh, can you just initially talk us through some of those headline findings?
1: What we wanted to do was to model premature mortality among people who inject drugs, people who um, are opioid dependent, and in particular, um, overdose deaths. And we wanted to ask whether or not there was evidence that um, an uh, an opioid agonist treatment program, OAT program, um, reduced mortality risk in this population. So that was the critical question. And I think that the other the implications about retention and other things have been raised by um, systematic reviews. So we know from systematic reviews that um, that if you're in, on methadone or buprenorphine, your mortality risk is lower than if you're not on buprenorphine or methadone. We know also that there are some critical periods uh, of mortality, elevated mortality risk at the beginning of treatment, in particular for methadone at the end of treatment, and also when people who have got opioid use disorders leave prison. So the opportunity we had with, in Australia New South Wales, is that they had linked all of the data from people coming into treatment, going out of treatment, coming into treatment in prison, coming out of treatment, out of prison. And rather than just saying, they already said that data had already contributed to other systematic reviews, saying treatment saves lives. What we wanted to say was actually, does does can we have we got evidence that the treatment saved lives in the population? So not just the mortality risk is for an individual's on treatment versus off treatment, but for the population of people who inject drugs, people with opioid use disorders, in, the, in that population, has the OAT program saved lives, has averted deaths? So it's modeling the whole cohort. So that's a slightly different question than the systematic reviews have, have looked at prior to that.
0: So why might those things be different? So if there's, for example, evidence, like you say, from the systematic reviews that um, um, OAT uh, does prevent drug-related deaths um, on an individual level, um, why is there a need to demonstrate that at a population level? Why why might those things be different?
1: Because of this, as I, as I mentioned earlier, this, this these elevated risk periods. So when you come into treatment there is, particularly for people on methadone, there is a slightly higher risk of mortality from overdose and other causes in the first month of treatment. And then it falls. And then if people, when immediately people come out of treatment um, in that first month, there's also another substantially elevated risk of mortality from overdose as people um, relapse and their tolerance is, 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 uh, compromised and it increases their risk of overdose and also other um, mortality risks from self harm as well so because you 've got these two critical risk periods in the beginning of treatment out of treatment, some models some sort of theoretical models not not empirical models have suggested that if if people are not retained on treatment for long enough the number of deaths in the population may not go down as a result of OAT. In fact, because if people are circulating in and out of treatment and duration is too low, then given these elevated risk periods, it's unlikely that they are going to drive down the number of deaths in the population. So that's why we want to then say, well, actually, you know, what's the evidence you know, in New South Wales? We could at least model it and say, well, you know, is it likely that we've um, averted overdose deaths so that's the slight that's why it's slightly different
0: yeah that makes sense um, and, and you also you, you looked at overdose deaths but you also looked at other um, some drug related deaths and all cause mortality what are the were there any other specific um, causes of death that you looked at that were related to uh, a person's drug use well
1: in this study we mainly looked at overdose deaths and um, all cause mortality, so overall number of deaths. But the other critical, from the systematic reviews, the other critical um, uh, acute cause of death is self harm. So we would expect to see, which follows overdose, we would expect to see if there's a difference in terms of um, overdose deaths, we would expect to see a difference in self harm. But I don't think we modelled it specifically in this study.
0: Okay. Um, so, so just uh, still on those findings. You, so, the, the, I mean, the paper's fascinating and it, and it talks about the absolute number of deaths that, that had been uh, prevented and that would be prevented. So um, were there findings around how uh, people delivering this kind of treatment, OAT treatment, um, uh, methadone and buprenorphine, um, might increase that number um, of, of preventable prevented deaths?
1: Yeah. So I guess, you know, in it, what we were trying to so what we were trying to do in this study was to model the counterfactual of how many deaths there would be if there hadn't been any opioid agonist treatment so you know i'm not you know in in theory you know the ideal model would be a trial in which you have OAT versus no OAT in a population now clearly that's unethical and can't be done but to emulate that trial we wanted we set up a a model which which um captures the trends in overdose deaths and and people coming in and out of treatment in and out of prison treatment programs um captures that that dynamic and then you can say well actually what would the mortality risk look like given we know what the mortality risk is in people in the community who haven't gone into the OAT program, what would the mortality risk look like if the, for the counterfactual, if we took away the program? And that's where we get this: um, the test is, you know, well, was, was there any change in deaths? And if if there wasn't, that means OAT program makes no difference. But in in particular, in this study, we found that um, without the OAT program, the number of overdose deaths would have been at least fifty percent higher.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. That ability to to remove something that's there rather than trial something new. I thought I I I enjoyed reading about that. So so with this uh, dynamic modelling design, it's 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 a model. So uh, it's it's based on uh, a whole set of 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 kind of rules and risk factors um, that are all there in in the publication, but it's also based on data from real people. How do you kind of match the kind of hypothetical risks against? kind of real life individual data.
1: Well I think that's that's that was that's the critical difference in 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 the in the in the model if you'd like is that it is actually fitted to real to to a real cohort. So we're describing the mortality risk in all people who have ever entered the um, opioid agonist treatment program over a sort of 10 year period in sydney new south wales so that's so, so it's actual real empirical data and 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 it follows that they're we're looking at their mortality risk and the number of deaths that occurred in that cohort in and out at the different periods in and out of treatment in and out of prison um so it's not like we've done models before theoretical models which say you know if we increase the Opioid agonist treatment program, and we increase duration at a certain point. What impact would that have? But that's not—it's rarely based on actual real data. So, we would like to make this sort of, if you like, you know, there's modelling and there's modelling, and this model is around is actually is based on real empirical data, and that we think gives it a little bit more credence. And that's why when we look at the results, we think although. The, estimate, the counterfactual estimate is, is a model estimate. It is based on um, actual data and, and really strong empirical data. And the mortality risks that we're modelling are not assumed from systematic reviews. They are those that occurred in that population. So that's what makes it a little different. So what we're really modelling is the counterfactual. And we have to... If you like to, in order to model the counterfactual, you have to be able to model the the actual data, the empirical data. So you build a model that replicates the trends in the data you observe in the data in order to be able to take away the exposure, the OAT program, in order to then estimate what the mortality risk would be without it, if that makes sense. And that it takes a long time. (laughs) I mean, I didn't do the modeling and it is very complicated. My colleagues in um in the States and in, in the UK did the modelling based on the data in um New South Wales.
0: So I mean having having spent all this time developing this developing this model, um are you able to then use it to test other elements of, of that treatment system? Are you able to, for example, say, well if we removed needle exchange or if we removed prison altogether, are you able to kind of run more tests using this model, or is it a kind of single use uh, thing?
1: Well, there's there's two extensions that we would like to make. I mean, one I think is we've modelled only the OAT program, so we only we've modelled people who've come into an a, the cohort of people coming to opioid agonist treatment. We haven't yet modelled the number of people in the community who've got opioid use disorders who might not have gone into treatment now we think in Australia that's quite low because treatment is is widely available but there will be still still some people who um, don't go into the OAT program so that's an extension that we need to make Um, in terms of things like the syringe programs the model would have to be adapted to then also look at other critical outcomes which you could do such as um, hepatitis C and HIV and other um, bloodborne viruses or, or bacterial infections, and then you could start to look at look at things like NSP as well. And I think the other extension we were interested in is looking at um, self harm as well as a as a critical outcome. But yes, you can. At the moment, it's all based on the OAT program to build in. You can extend the model to build in other other interventions if you've got those data and also you've got the critical outcomes but there would need to be an I suspect there might need to be an, an adapt, adaptation of the model to do something but it's definitely that idea that we really want to promote is of using these large administrative data sets
0: yeah. empirical
1: strong empirical data to then model what's the impact of these critical interventions so you can then um, look at the counterfactuals, but also, as you were suggesting there, also look at, well, if you improve some of the delivery of different interventions, what impact might that have as well?
0: Um, you, you mentioned as well that, that the duration of OET, so kind of moving moving on to kind of the next steps, I suppose, the duration of, um, of methadone buprenorphine in uh, in the UK and England is a lot shorter um, anyway, but, um, than it is in uh, Australia in, in New South Wales. Um, so, does that make these findings kind of more important, or would we need to replicate this kind of modelling in England to to be certain that 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 was still an important factor?
1: Yeah, we'd need to we need to replicate it because it the key is that it's based on the actual mortality risk in in the population. We couldn't just say based on this model we think. Um, the UK is having less effect than it is in New South Wales because the mortality risk is different in different periods in and out of treatment in the UK than it is in New South Wales. So the idea being, well, what we should be doing is replicating this model, but to the UK setting, to the UK-linked um, um, administrative data sets we got here. And we'll certainly be doing that in Scotland because there's there's linked data there and i I think there is possibility in england as well so we hope that that will happen whether it's us or some other group it doesn't matter
0: and so are you able to kind of build in uh, like um changes in fidelity into into these kinds of models i I mentioned this because there was a report out today about um about uh, arranging treatment when people are released from prison and in some um some counties in england uh that's at around twenty three percent of people leaving prison have appropriate drug treatment uh, um, arranged on release, and that in some boroughs this is up to kind of sixty or seventy percent, and that's the news. That was the news story this morning. So is that something that you'd be able to model, say, like, well, actually, if this was implemented at you know closer to a hundred percent, this would be the population level impact.
1: Yeah, no, exa- exactly. The whole idea being that if you can emulate. Or replicate the trends in mortality risk and also the trends in the population going in and out of treatment you can then both ask well what would the mortality risk look like without any treatment in one question research question then you can also ask well what would it look like if you change the delivery if for example, I see, You know, if you're saying there's regional variation in some of the delivery of uh, different interventions, what would it look like if it all <clears throat> was, um, you know, like one region which had a much better uptake and community of, of uptake of treatment in prison and and leaving prison into the community? Certainly, those that, that those models exist anyway, showing you what you know, improving coverage, improving retention in prison and release from prison into the community should have benefits what we want to have to do is show that with using real world data.
0: Um, uh, Fantastic so so what are the next steps for um, for this area of inquiry for your research and and for this team?
1: Um, So as I said uh, we would like to look at it in terms of modelling the whole of the population with OAT who, who haven't necessarily going to ot in you said mm-hmm. the reason why we didn't do it in this model is because we didn't have a robust estimate of how many people had an opiate use disorder and injected drugs so that's that's a little bit of an extension i think what we really want to do is be able to do this same model replicate it in the uk and uh, europe and some settings in North America, because I think that's, that's we're trying to sort of persuade people that, that the critical question the policy should be asking first is when they've got OAT programs is, well, is it saving lives? So once you've asked well, answered that question, and you have to do that is by replicating, doing a model such as ours, then you can ask, well, how do um, I then improve services to make a, more benefit in terms of saving lives?
0: Uh, important and fascinating work Um, Professor Matt Hickman thank you so much for your time today